And good evening and welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Love my opportunity to speak with you every week. If you want to stay in touch with me during the week, go to our Facebook page, America Can We Talk. You can also always email me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. I had a friend texting me during the show to say she prefers listening to the show on the 660 AM app. So anywhere you are in America, the 660 AM app, which is our Dallas, my home station in Dallas, um, has an app. And so you can do that. And on Twitter at Debbie Can We Talk, I just love talking about about and in favor of America and preserving this precious country. So top of the second hour, do a cruise the news and I just want to hit some stories I would spend longer on if I could. Okay, so this week there are going to be 100 newspapers in America participating in in publishing the same day editorials complaining about Donald Trump's anti-press rhetoric. So this is the press that attacks him daily and what they're really saying is we we run into someone who actually talks back, actually speaks up. I mean, honestly, folks, I just think this is the most tone-deaf protest on their part because what Trump is doing, what he's saying to them, is really what conservatives have watched and listened to and been upset about for whatever, decades. And so finally, someone, uh, someone as a president just says, uh, no, we're not going to do this. We're not going um, to go there. Okay. Uh, next thing I want to mention that Jim Jordan, who is a stellar U.S. congressman from um, Ohio, he's um, running for, he announced he's running for Speaker of the House. You know, and immediately, you know, you know that expression, the military, like the expression is something to the effect of, you know, you're over the target when you're taking fire. I mean, they don't shoot at people who can't get you. Well, there, there's been a massive attack on Jim Jordan related to his time when he was a Ohio State wrestling coach. And you know, supposedly that, you know, the team doctor, not supposedly, I guess the team doctor was sexually abusing some of the players. But the gripe about Jordan is he either knew or he should have known. Well, of course, this is uh, the left is trying to make this into a big deal. And, you know, this is character disqualifying. Well, one of the major and first people who spoke up in this whole exposing this doctor uh, who was sexually abusing uh, players back in the, I guess it was in the 90s, in the early 90s, has come forward and said, this guy's name is Mark Coleman, is recanting his claim that Ohio Republican Jim Jordan knew of the sex abuse allegations. He's basically saying he had no way of knowing. That's what he's saying. He's recanting his, and you know, I just, I wonder, you know, if these people, I, I do, I get so suspicious about George Soros. I'm thinking, well, maybe Soros is paying some of these people. I wonder if he gets his money back, if the guy recants. I don't know. But I do think that's very significant that one of the major um, players is saying, actually, Jim Jordan is a, in fact, he says, stellar guy, great guy, did not know a thing about this. I just really, really like this. Very heart-melting story about Tim Tebow, you know, famous athlete. I just saw this, this story, and um, I just wanted to pass it along because I, I say often, America is a country full of good people doing good things. Tim Tebow donated, he founded an organization called the Tim Tebow Foundation and hooked up with another group called Cure International, and he's, he's paying for surgeries of young children in countries that have very poor medical care who are born with grotesque, really life-inhibiting birth defects. 
And so they had pictures of some of the before and after of kids whose surgery he paid for. Uh, you, you can't even watch this video without getting teary. Um, just promise me. It's just really, really stellar. Um, want to mention also that there is going to be a rally apparently in Washington, D.C. today. I guess it must be over by now. Um, it was a white nationalist rally. And I, I hate to give any oxygen to it or any idea, any support for it. I don't support it. I hate it. But what I want to say about it is the morons who, and the, the, you know, intellectually, ethically, morally vapid people who would be part of such an evil thing as a white nationalist rally have no place in either political party, frankly, no seat at the table in the American political conversation. But these horrible people who, who are doing this have called their idiotic thing, Unite the Right, trying to set an implication that people on the right-hand side of the aisle are really part of this white nationalist thing. And I just want to be on record to say, I don't know any conservative, any Republican, any Tea Party, anyone I ever connect with politically, and I connect with a load of people politically who thinks this is even, they are, they are disgusted, they are outraged, they are dismissive. And I did a little um, numbers calculation. The, the number of white supremacists in this country, you would think when the left makes so much noise about it that it must be a really big movement. The high estimates of the number of white supremacists in this country, if you calculate the number of white citizens in this country, is 0.001. It's nobody. There, there's no one with their head on straight. He's a white nationalist. This Unite the Right guy, I'm sorry he's even using that term because it has nothing to do with the American right. And it's just appalling that he's even allowed to use that term. Um, I also want to mention the uh, Philadelphia mayor did some obnoxious happy dance thing um, after their city uh, won a court ruling related to sanctuary cities that they could continue to be the san- sanctuary city. Shortly after that, we've, uh, we now had someone that the officials released. ICE wanted to get a hold of them. The officials in Philadelphia released the person who promptly went out and raped a child. I mean, this whole, these, trying to hold these lefties uh, responsible, to, to hold them accountable for the outcome, the result of the way they do policy matters. It matters a lot. Okay, I had a bunch of Trump tweets to read you, but I can't read them all. Um, and then I, I just, you know, this t- cruise to the news part of the show, I just do it because I love the opportunity to touch on more and more stories that matter, but I'm out of time. So Debbie Georgiatis, America Can We Talk, you come right back. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. 
Our military and veterans have served all of us, defending our nation whenever and wherever duty calls. But at home, when their families need support, they know they can turn to Operation Homefront for help. Operation Homefront provides military families with critical financial assistance, transitional and permanent housing, and family support programs throughout the year to help prevent their short-term needs from turning into long-term struggles. When you support Operation Homefront, your donation will make a real difference because 92% of their expenditures go directly towards programs that our military families need most. Each year, Operation Homefront serves thousands of military families, families in your community, helping wounded veterans transition to civilian life, helping military families pay overdue bills when their loved ones deploy overseas, and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit OperationHomefront.org. That's OperationHomefront.org. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, Go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Welcome back to America Can We Talk, and thank you so very much for tuning in. I want to tell you a story about Israel right now. You know, I've on this show, we've I've actually done the show from Israel. I did the show, I can't remember what it was, but we, we visited Israel, um, and I did the show from Israel, which was really very special. My husband and I have a great uh, connection with Israel. His business partner is an Israeli citizen, and um, they he's been there many times. And, um, you know, we just, we're so grateful for them. And then just politically speaking, Israel is the one, you know, representative, Western-style 
democracy in the whole Middle East, and they are they're America's ally and deserve to be um, defended. And there have been during the uh, eight years of the Obama administration quite a bit of consternation expressed by Israel and other um, you know other, other allies. But why is America you know kind of softening on Israel? We had we just did not have Obama didn't have Israel's back like Israel had assumed we should and would. But anyway. I want so I'm just very grateful to know about Israel to have been there to to actually have have had experts from Israel uh, join me on the show and talk about different situations but so in Israel right now, you probably recognize that Hamas, uh, the terror organization that now runs the um, Gaza Strip, they have been renewed renewedly firing rockets into Israeli territory so I want to, before I describe more, just picture if I were telling you that, for example, rockets were coming in from Cuba into southern Florida, or rockets were coming over the border from Mexico into border towns in Arizona or Texas. No civilized country has to put up with having military-style attacks launched perpetually by the entity that happens to be across the border. They just don't have to do that. So Israel, as they have done, they fight back. And so this this latest uh, launching of attacks, I, I, I read some things about that were alarming because Hamas is, as you know, it, and as all terror organizations, but Hamas in particular is dedicated. If I think that people can get confused in the uh, Western world. We think that Hamas is just trying to, you know, reclaim some land for the Palestinians or just trying to make sure that the Palestinians have a, a safe place to live. Hamas is dedicated to the destruction of Israel, to killing all Jewish people. It is not about, if you read, when you read these stories, the effort is made to say, well, Hamas is just trying to even the score, just trying to help a little bit, you know, and these, and this is all really a problem with, um, you know, because Israel won't be, this, the reason this entire battle is ongoing is because Hamas, along with the countries of Iran and many other Islamic majority groups, will not rest until they have destroyed Israel. So Hamas is firing rockets into Israel. This time, they, the rockets have reached farther into Israel than over the last several times there were attacks. I'm grateful to say that the Trump administration has spoken right up and just says, of course, America stands with the right of the, um, uh, of the Israelis to defend themselves, which should be kindergarten level of course we do of course every country does you just don't let countries attack you so the trump administration has spoken up very strongly saying yes we support israel and their right to defend themselves which i'm I'm very grateful for and israel is you know they they had a statement i think from their some foreign minister saying look we're not looking for a war we israel we're not looking for war we don't want another war but we're not going to let these attacks continue. And these attacks coming over from Gaza, these are now, this more recent round, are actual rockets hitting buildings, destroying things. And previous to that, the tactic the Gaza Strip and Hamas people had been doing was sending kites, like the kind that you, know, you fly at the beach that are pretty, only they're on fire, sending them over in the wind into Israel so they land in fields and burn crops or burn homes, burn hospitals. I mean, this is this is an ongoing thing living in Israel. So I'm grateful for the Trump administration um, standing up. I do want to tell you a story that really, it, it has a lot of uh, flavor to it about America, too, and about the media in America. There is a Palestinian 
who bills himself, calls himself a journalist. His name is Abdullah I'm just going to, it's Alsafin, A-L-S-A-A-F-I-N. And so he considers himself a Palestinian journalist. He put out a tweet with the cutest little girl in, in, uh, you know, a small girl, four or five years old, uh, in her jammies, leaning against a pillow, sweet little face. And this guy, this uh, Palestinian alleged journalist, put this tweet out with a picture of this girl with the language... This baby, Bayan Abu Kamash, two years old, was killed last night along with her pregnant mother when an Israeli rocket hit their house in Gaza Strip town of Deir el-Balala. El-Bala. So, you know, this is left-wing journalism. This is trying to, you know, act as though a rocket came flying over for no reason from Israel. And so this is the way to sway the world who's following the situation. Go, look at this cute little girl. My gosh, how come Israel did that? I mean, no mention in the tweet, of course, that the um, this is Israel firing rockets is in response to being attacked by Hamas, by the Gaza Strip residents. No explanation of that. It's a presentation, although it happened out of the clear blue. But here's the most amazing thing, the thing I wanted to share with you. That picture of this impossibly cute little girl was pulled off of somebody's Instagram account. And she's not a Palestinian girl. She's actually alive and well. This girl's actual name is L. McBroom, and the photo was taken randomly from somebody's Instagram page. So Mossad, God bless the Mossad in Israel, posted this. They posted a tweet saying, you know, here's the picture that he said was a victim in, you know, in, in a Palestinian town. Here's the real picture from Instagram and the little note from Instagram that this girl's picture was next to. Happy birthday, L. Lively McGroom. You're getting so old. I hope you have the best second birthday. I hope you spend your crazy soul to the fullest. Uh, you know, happy birthday, you know, blah, 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 blah. So the point is, this was a complete fabrication. And it is manipulation journalism to start with for this guy to put out this this uh, tweet that was, you know, trying to engender sympathy for the Palestinian plight without pointing out that Israel is just defending itself. Israel is tired of rockets coming over. Israel has a right to defend itself. But on top of that, it was a complete fabrication. And I, I say that here not just because that particular guy is a bad guy and shouldn't have done that, but the larger point is this is so much of what media has become left-wing media, anti-American media, has become even in America. Instead of putting issues in context, laying out the facts, explaining what prompted, you know, conduct or what prompted a situation, just a, look at this poor victim. Isn't this terrible? And we, ladies especially, are talking to everybody, but ladies especially, we tend to be led around by emotion, especially in politics. And I'm sorry to say that. I have lots of intelligent women listeners who are not, but you you need to read studies, if you haven't, about what drives a women's vote. Women are drive, driven uh, in their vote by compassion and fairness and all sorts of emotional things, which are wonderful qualities about women. I'm glad women love fairness. I'm glad women embrace compassion. But recognize that the left-wing media in this world, including in America, just lives to manipulate you, just lives 
to make you come around to the left-wing point of view by presenting stories that are false, that are only half true, that have emotional tugs to them without putting the context in. And I just think it's important. This is a great example. I, I talk all the time about the Democrat media mob, the manipulation of people in their, in their thinking. And it's incumbent on all of us because in this 2018 election cycle, which I keep saying is just around the corner, it's in, coming up in November, we're going to have all sorts of emotional arguments made by left-wing media trying to get women to see the issues related to border security, related to Obamacare, related to building the wall, related to dealing with DACA, about the tax bill, about just every single issue there is, we're going to hear the American left, which as the Democrat media mob, put those issues in emotional terms, assuming that especially women, sorry ladies, but you know it's true, especially women will be led around by it and not take the time to understand what the facts are. This happens, unfortunately, in elections too often. And it, we just need to be wary of it and alert to it and just unwilling to play that game. Okay, so in the next section, in the next segment tonight, I have a guest coming on. And so I want to give a minute to really introduce her because uh, it'll fly by. She's uh, just fun and great. She happens to be a family friend, but that's not why I'm having her on. Her name is Caroline Lewis. She's a blogger for Patriot Post. And if you don't ever go to Patriot Post, great, great, great website, full of good, good bloggers, good writers. But she is a millennial blogger, and she's a conservative millennial blogger. She has blogs up like rejecting the millennial label, rethinking nice, hashtag resisting progress. Another one, why empowered women should be conservative. Great blogger, great writer. Coming up after the break, Caroline Lewis, come right back. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. Have you heard of the Policy Circle? It's a national network of women who come together in neighborhood conversations to discuss the public policies impacting their communities. You can think of it as a book club, but instead of reviewing a book, members discuss public policy issues. Policy Circle members have access to membership-only resources and benefits that complement a thoughtful framework for women to come together and have fact-based discussions. From healthcare to poverty... 
From free enterprise to education, from fiscal responsibility to the First Amendment, we discuss the issues that shape America. Change starts with a conversation. Conversations happen when women across the nation are connected and engaged in their communities, openly sharing their views and taking a leadership role in policy dialogue on what human creativity can accomplish in a free economy. Are you ready to join a growing network of engaged women? To join or start your own policy circle, visit thepolicycircle.org today. That's thepolicycircle.org. America is greatly blessed by the men and women serving in our military who are defending us every day, making our freedom possible. Military families also serve, and they face hardships while dads and moms are far from home. Military families endure frequent moves around the country and overseas, requiring them to adjust to new schools and make new friends over and over. They also face anguish while their soldiers deployed overseas, often in harm's way. The Army Scholarship Foundation offers one way to help military families by providing academic scholarships to children and spouses of soldiers. And you can help. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and consider making a tax-deductible donation to help a military family member pursue his or her educational dreams. Assisting military family members with their college education is a great way for all of us at home to say thank you to our military families for your service and sacrifice. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and get involved today. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. And welcome back to American Community Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. And as I mentioned before the break, we have joining us online tonight a blogger from Patriot Post. And again, if you don't listen to or, I mean, if you don't read Patriot Post, you show it's a great thing. Caroline Lewis is in the line. And I meant to say one more thing about her in the introduction, which is she's also an actually extremely accomplished artist. I kind of like that. You know, you, you write and you are artistic too. So I believe you have Caroline in the line. Hello. Hi, Debbie. Thanks for having me on your show. Happy to have you. So, I mean, honestly, folks, I, I, I live in Dallas. As you know, I'm doing the show from California this week, but or this month, but we live in Dallas, no Caroline from there. And she it's just an amazing thing. I mean, to write a Patriot Post, you have a, a, a really uh, broad talent pool of great writers at Patriot Post. So just, first of all, congratulations for being a writer there. Oh, thank you so much. But I want to just hit, you know, you're just, you're a, a, you know, just a, people can hear in your voice, a sparkling and, and, uh, you know, um, engaging young um, person. So 
what is it? I mean, first of all, what is your mission in writing for Patriot Post? I want to talk about some of your posts, but why do you do this? So I, so as you mentioned, I am an artist. I paint uh, acrylic and watercolor, and uh, I, but I always had an interest, you know, in this country and in the founding of of our country and um, what it means to be a good citizen, uh, what it means to be engaged in uh, public policy so that we can protect, you know, the rights of the unborn and protect the rights of, of all of our citizens. And uh, so I, I owe a great uh, debt of gratitude to this country in terms of being a, in terms of being a you know, um, self-employed, uh, you know, business owner um, in selling my artwork. And I realized that uh, I majored in history, and I, I love the study of history, but I realized through that that in some of these uh, some of these governments that go kind of you know socialist and or, and communist and totalitarianism, they always go after the artists and the writers because <laughs> they don't point. want free speech. They don't want free expression. So as I as I was painting and kind of starting that uh, uh, t- time of my life, I was also wanting to do something to defend the rights of of free speech. And so it was like I would be painting a painting and thinking about how can we better address this issue? How can we handle this thing? Because if I don't speak up, regardless of what profession any of us are in, if we don't speak up, we're going to be, you know, our, our right to be able to express ourselves and our opinion can be taken away. And, and I, it was something that was extremely concerning to me. And so I had a friend that uh, encouraged me to, to write some things. And uh, so I did. And, I, uh, and, and Patriot Post liked them. So I've been writing for them. I did opinion with them for about a year and a half. And I uh, wrote analysis with them for uh, a little over a year. And um, I'm going back to opinion uh, next week and, and following. But it's, it's pretty much the same thing. And I, and I, I post all of my stuff that gets published um, there. I post it on my, on my blog, which is carolineclewis.com. And uh, so hope that it can help people kind of think through some of these issues. And um, I, I was born in the 1980s, so I guess you say technically I am a millennial but I don't like that label, and uh, I wrote a piece on why I don't like the label. And uh, so, yes. Well, I want to hit on that piece for in just a moment, but I want to start one I just liked. You have clever titles. I mean, even the titles kind of make people go, oh, yeah, that's a good point. But you have one uh, that you re, uh, titled Rethinking Nice. And as a very funny thing she put up for all, all of you Harry Potter fans out there, the picture on the uh, Rethinking Nice, I don't know if you picked up somebody else, is that Minerva McGonagall, I think it is called, her name was McGonagall from Harry Potter. It, very funny because she was the the headmaster, temporary headmaster who uh, prom- seemed to be so nice and she was actually really nasty. Just a really, really funny uh, caption, uh, picture you picked. But tell us about, what, what, why were you writing about Rethinking Being Nice? So, so actually, I can't, I can't take the attribution for, for that. Um, the editor picks that one. So the editorial board picks the, picks, 
they all pick the images if you look, if you're looking at the Patriot Post. Um, but the reason that I, I titled this as Rethinking Nice is that I did feel like, and I started the article off talking about in polite conversation, meaning if you're at a luncheon or if you're just with old friends or whatever, it's not nice to bring up certain topics. Like it's not nice to bring up uh, necessarily like sanctuary cities or uh, welfare or transgender movement or anything like that because, oh, that's not very nice and we need to be kind to people. And there's kind of this assumption of what is the nice view. So, for example, sanctuary cities. Shouldn't we be nice to all of these people that are trying to have a better life for themselves? And so it makes those of us that that kind of have more of a conservative view feel like we're not being nice. And so there's this social pressure to kind of either not say anything or to agree with people. But the piece that I wrote, Rethinking Nice, is rethinking those presuppositions that basically say sanctuary cities are a good thing. And I talk about why they're not good, and it's because they harbor criminals. And those criminals go out and commit crimes. So we have rape and murder and uh, drug trafficking, the opioid crisis. There's tons of opioids that pour through our southern border every year. Yep. And opioids, as many people know, are um, extremely, um, e- extremely powerful addictive. drugs and extremely addictive. And the, the lethal dose of uh, fentanyl, which is a synthetic opioid, is two milligrams, which is very, very small. Uh, and a lot of people that get into that don't know that. And so we've got a lot of um, opioid uh, overdose deaths in our country, and it's really tragic. And so you think about uh, sanctuary cities harboring criminals who can commit who commit crimes against people. And it's not that sanctuary cities don't harbor lovely people. I'm sure there's people that are lovely that that you know came across the southern border. They broke the law, but they still want a, a, a good life. And people, I think the the conversation tends to talk about. The, the nice lady that just came with her child. The problem is, is that the nice lady that came with her child and all the criminals and drug people are all being uh, protected. So I think that we have to have a conversation where we, where we say, okay, there is illegal immigration, and there are some illegals that are better than others. But the point still stands that we need to have you know, law enforcement, and we need to protect our borders and protect our citizens and have responsible immigration, and that we need to have people that come into our country that that want to be here, that can contribute, and that there's nothing wrong or unnice about having a decent immigration policy. And the left wants to make it out to be that we're the criminals for saying, no, I want good border enforcement. It's like you're not a nice person. <laughs> exactly. You know, I will say uh, in that particular piece, uh, Rethinking Nice, uh, you know, we're going to, as I told you, I think in a text or email, these, this hour races by or these segments race by, we only have two minutes left. I want to uh, tell our listeners that the one point you make in this Rethinking Nice is about the statistics from a 2004 study of ICE, in which essentially, um, even though of the uh, 8,145 criminals who are released because of law, local law enforcement's refusal to comply with ICE, 1,867 were rearrested for a total of 4,200 uh, 
times, uh, charged with 7,200 crimes. And so those kind of things, I love to have facts like in that in there. So we, I told you racist bad we have like in a minute and a half. So of your other columns, you mentioned a couple. And do you want to talk about why? We, why don't you tell us, our listeners, why do you reject the millennial label? I reject the millennial label because it has become in kind of the popular cultural narrative. It has become um, an exploitation of a certain um, age group. And they're exploiting a certain age group and, and making them a grievance group, but but even more importantly, a voting block. And so they say millennials think this way. Millennials are socialists. Millennials are victims of a society that doesn't understand their self-esteem needs. And the problem is, is that when you create this voting block and this generational ideological agenda, it, it, it just it's a problem because millennials need to think for themselves and they need to reject that label label and oppose this generational group think that the media is trying to foist on us. And uh, so I'm just, I, I wholeheartedly reject the bankrupt uh, ideas of public opinion that says you, because you were born in the 1980s, you must think this way. And I say, no, I think for myself, I do my own research, I read and I learn. And that's what I think is the solution for millennials is they need to educate themselves and stop listening to what people expect them to believe. Caroline Lewis, you are a fireball. I love it. So we're wrapping up here. This is Caroline Lewis online. She blogs at Patriot Post. And again, if you can quick tell our listeners, your website is? It's Caroline C, as in CharlieLewis.com. CarolineCLewis.com. Caroline, you're a great writer, great interview. Thank you so very much for calling in tonight. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Have a wonderful rest of your show. You too, folks. Be right back. Do you dream of a better world? One where poverty and hunger are a thing of the past? What if you could make a real difference in the lives of those most in need? The solution to poverty is not handouts, but hope. The freedom and opportunity to use one's talents and resources for good. At Five Talents, we empower the poor to start their own small businesses. Five Talents works in some of the most difficult places in the world. With $85, you can help a new entrepreneur escape from poverty and build a sustainable business that helps her whole family. Can you think of anywhere else your gift can work that effectively? When you walk with Five Talents, you bring opportunity to those most in need. Join us in demonstrating the greatness of American generosity. Visit 5talents.org today to learn about the impact you can make. That's 5talents.org. F-I-V-E talents If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. 
So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. The right to freedom of speech, to be who you are and to speak your mind, is a foundational American value enshrined in the First Amendment to our Constitution. And nowhere is that value more important than on America's college campuses. But too often on our campuses, unpopular political opinions or religious beliefs are met with censorship or even violence instead of honest dialogue and discussion. And Texas colleges are no exception. Schools like the University of Texas at Austin, Sam Houston State University, and the University of North Texas all place burdensome restrictions on free speech. That's why the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, FIRE, fights back against the censors to defend liberty on America's college campuses. Does your college or alma mater uphold our most cherished American value of freedom of speech? Find out by visiting thefire.org and consider lending FIRE your support. Our military and veterans have served all of us, defending our nation whenever and wherever duty calls. But at home, when their families need support, they know they can turn to Operation Homefront for help. Operation Homefront provides military families with critical financial assistance, transitional and permanent housing, and family support programs throughout the year to help prevent their short-term needs from turning into long-term struggles. When you support Operation Homefront, your donation will make a real difference because 92% of their expenditures go directly towards programs that our military families need most. Each year, Operation Homefront serves thousands of military families, families in your community, helping wounded veterans transition to civilian life, helping military families pay overdue bills when their loved ones deploy overseas, and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit OperationHomefront.org. That's OperationHomefront.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Love, love, love this uh, gift of my uh, having a show to be able to speak with you every week about preserving this great and extraordinary country. I want to urge you to go to Caroline Lewis's website. She's just an amazing young woman. As you heard, she's very artistically talented. She's award-winning, successful. On top of that, she's a great writer, and she's making arguments to her generation, and she makes them on all sorts of topics that are really good. I mean, the ones she was, one she was talking about are just uh, skimming the surface. So great writer, great thinker. And if you read some articles you like, consider sending them along to somebody you know, a, a millennial person who might just be, um, you know, a little bit helped by having somebody share this. So, okay, in this, I always have more topics than time, and the two hours race by every Sunday. I can just always get to this point. I cannot believe my time is almost up. But I do want to hit one really, I think, just astonishingly important policy idea story that's being cooked up in Washington. And um, and I'm, I'm going against, I'm afraid, I'm going against the, the, uh, some conservatives' views about this um, policy. And that is that Senator Marco Rubio, the Florida uh, candidate, you know, he ran, he's a U.S. senator from Florida. He also ran for president in 2016. He has introduced a bill uh, in Congress, in the Senate, uh, which is essentially called, it's called the Paid Family Leave Act. And so I'm going to just set the table briefly about this idea. You know, many women going back to work or working do not have the ability 
to taking the time they want to take off from work um, when they have a baby. Or, and sometimes I guess it can be because you have to care with an ailing parent or some other family emergency. But this is targeted really at, at women having babies. And, want, and, and so some employers will offer paid leave. I was you know, a lawyer in a big corporate law firm. They could bend over backwards uh, to give me as much leave as I want, as stay home as long as I want. I'm pretty sure they're paying me full you know, salary while I was doing it. So it was really a, you know, there are jobs that you're very blessed that, that is provided. Other jobs where uh, there is, does not happen. And so it impacts some families about what to do related to you know, you, you want to have a baby, you want to get your family going, but you need two incomes and you can't, you, you either will struggle with, or you really actually just can't pay for the, um, the, you can't live without the pay from your job during the period of time you want to stay home. So uh, this is a left wing talking point endlessly is look at Europe. Everybody gets paid family leave. You get, you know, the employer pays you or the government pays you. Who knows? The various countries have different policies, but the point is, they pay, a woman is able to continue the, um, you know, receiving pay while she's staying home full time with her kids. And of course, conservatives argue, you know, this is a, um, this is a trend towards socialism. This is forcing taxpayers to fund somebody else's personal life decisions. And it is engendering irresponsibility or at least enabling irresponsibility because you should be calculated in your home whether you can actually afford to have that next child. And if you can't, you know, if you uh, can't even have, you know, go without pay for a month, you know, then maybe you need to rethink if this is the right time or make some other adjustments in your life. The point is, it's a very much of a so, very trendy socialist idea. And unfortunately, it's also popular with President Trump's daughter. She, Ivanka Trump, has spoken about the idea that we need to have paid leave or some, you know, something like that. And she's been pushing these policies. So uh, the Independent Women's Forum, an organization I love that advertises on this show, came up with the idea of how about having a policy that permits you when you're working and you want to go you have a baby and take paid family leave that you can tap into your own social security funds which you're not yet eligible for because you're in your 20s, 30s or I guess even 40s these days having babies but you know you're at that age you're not social security eligible but the idea of independent women's forum and they did a lot of research they had experts they ran numbers it, it's not a cavalier you know idea that just jumped off the shelf one day it's a very substantive um, proposal but the idea of it is essentially that if you want to say for example I think it's capped at two months but if you want to stay home for full time uh, from your job and you don't and you need income your employer doesn't provide that you should get paid by um, you should, should be able to tap into your own social security money and so then when you get to social security eligibility age your right to access your own money will be delayed by the amount of time, by the amount of money that you took out back in your childbearing years. So it's a not a burden, you know, on its face. It's not a burden on taxpayers. It's not a new tax on businesses. It is not a trend towards socialism because it's your own money in your Social Security fund. I mean, you're assuming you're working, you're paying in. So this is the Rocco Rubio bill. And as I say, it came from the Independent Women's Forum, a group I deeply admire and respect. But the more I thought about this bill, I, I want to posit the arguments against it. And I actually think I net on the idea that it's not a good idea. 
It's just not a healthy, good idea for our um, economy and for our country. I'll start with the idea that I am unfamiliar with where in the Constitution it says that it's a job of the federal government to be sure that families have all the money they need and to make family planning decisions around the federal government funding you. And I know that's a little bit snarky to say it that way, but this is way, way past the right role of the federal government in a constitutional conservative, in, in, a, in the conservative understanding of the Constitution or the commitment to follow the Constitution. The federal government really doesn't have a role in that. But number two is, it is a, a perpetuation or a growth of the nanny state. We need, in our culture, we need a sustained generational opposition to the growth of the nanny state. We need to be pushing back on every program that in, in, can be posited in great economics terms. It's not as bad as what the left would do. And besides, and you'll hear many people on the conservative side argue, we better come up with something because we need to win the women's vote. And women want paid family leave. And they think it's not fair that you could get, they could get it if they lived in France. They could get it if they lived in wherever socialist country there is. And they should be able to get it here. This is a step of civilization. This is a step of progress. This is a step of loving our neighbors, ourselves. All sorts of arguments the left will make to say, essentially, that we have to do something. That I'm sorry, the conservatives will say, the Republicans will say, we have to do something to counter what the left is offering, because the left is offering not just Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, but literally dozens and dozens of U.S. senators and uh, members of Congress on the, on the left are forever offering ideas to somehow make your, to somehow get uh, force paid child or paid family leave, force the uh, employer or force the government to pay the families who want to have a pay con- period continue while you're home with a new baby. This is the left was always pushing for a bigger nanny state, always pushing for more of your life controlled by government, always pushing to have people less and less embracing the idea of personal responsibility, because that's what this issue is about. It's about personal responsibility and families making decisions they can afford to make or not making decisions they can afford to make. So, but in addition to those kind of thematic or kind of large, uh, big, you know, big world, big vision ideas, the pragmatics of this are absurd. Just, first of all, Social Security is already going to be bankrupt. Recent study, 2017, the Social Service, I don't know the name of the entity, but they did it, the Social Security Trust Fund. Trustees announced in 2017 that the entire Social Security fund will be completely depleted by the year 2034. 2034, what is that? Can't do math, man. 16 years away or something. So these ladies having babies now taking money out of Social Security now against their future benefits, there's not going to be Social Security. It's already going to be broke. That's number one. Number two, people, you know, it's not like when you pay into Social Security that they put a little box in the Social Security bank account at the federal government and they say, this belongs to Susie Jones and only she gets this money. You send money in now, that money is going right back out the door to people who are currently eligible for Social Security. So you are taking other people's money. You may be paying in and expecting to get benefits someday. You're taking other people's money. And the third thing is if you're taking money now, that you haven't really reached Social Security eligibility, you're depleting what's available 
to the people who are supposed to be receiving it now, who are nearing retirement age, who've been planning their entire life for whatever it is they think they'll get from Social Security. You're diminishing their ability to rely on the Social Security they paid into their whole lives. The other just astonishingly pragmatic thing about this, and I don't know how else to say this, but there is no way on the planet Earth that some woman who takes this money now when she's 26, 28, and then she reaches 62 or 65, whatever the number is going to be, that she is, that the government's going to say, sorry, you're not eligible, if she says, but I really need it. But there were intervening factors. But the economy changed. But the country changed. But my health insurance changed. But this happened to me. There is no way we will have the backbone to enforce this. None at all. We will get to the point where it's just another government slush fund. People applying, thinking they're going to get money uh, now, and thinking somehow, I won't mind later delaying my... And you're allowed to do it numerous times under this Rubio plan. You can do it, you know, I don't know if there's a limit on it, but if you have three or four babies, and so each time you're taking two months off, so you've accumulated eight months of your Social Security, allegedly it'll push your eligibility back by a year and a half or something. We're never going to enforce that. I mean, morally and ethically, we'll struggle with enforcing it. We're also going to have just a tremendously impossible logistical nightmare trying to calculate it all. Calculate it, all. it is just a, an idea, sadly, being floated by the conservatives in our country who are trying to find something to equate with or to lure women voters in, to equate with what the Democrats offer. Well, they may be offering, you know, free uh, health care, but we're offering something else. We need to not compete with them. We need to be the party that stands up and says, we, and if anything like this needs to happen, it can be at the state level where the state can be more responsible. It's not the federal government's job. We'll never do it. Social Security is broke. And we're never going to, if you have voters who think their, their mission in voting is to be sure that they get enough money from the federal government, they're not going to vote for our side in any way. Okay, sadly, I'm almost out of time. I cannot believe this. I love talking to you every week. Again, follow me on Facebook, America Can We Talk. Follow me on Twitter at Debbie Can We Talk. Tune in every week, Sunday, 6 to 8 p.m. and Wednesdays, 3 p.m. for our podcast. I always talk truth about America, and I hope you will too. Come back next week. Love, love, love talking to you every Sunday. And I wish you a just a blessed week in between and talk to you in a week. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk, truth about America. America.